Hello there, and welcome to Kid History. My name is Logan, and I'm the creator of the Kid History Learning Series. Kid History is an educational podcast and book series made for children. Today's episode is called, Let's Learn About Japan. We'll learn about the Jomon, Muromachi, and Edo periods, the Samurai, traditional Minka homes, the tea ceremony, sushi, origami, history of the Japanese flag, Mount Fuji, sumo, and more. Did you know that this podcast is also available as an illustrated children's book on Amazon? Links can be found in the description below for my social media, YouTube channel, and other books. And finally, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and comment, and tell others about this podcast. Are you ready? Let's learn about Japan. The Jomon Period Japan's history has often been described by its time periods. Each period represents different cultures, people, and political views. Let's start off our journey of Nippon's history with one of its earliest periods called the Jomon Period. The Jomon Period is the oldest recorded history of Japan and can be dated back over 15,000 years. The name Jomon means patterned or colored, and this is a reference to the beautiful pottery made during this time. The natives would roll soft coils of clay and stack them to form pots. After adding shells and rocks to keep the pottery strong, they were placed in hot fires to cure. Jomon period pottery is the oldest pottery that has been found in the entire world. The Japanese natives during the Jomon period were not strong in their farming skills, and they had little to no contact with any people off the island of Japan. Instead of farming, they relied on being excellent hunters and fishers. Many Jomon fishing tools have been uncovered and are still in great condition. Scientists are amazed at the thousands of years the Jomon period artifacts have lasted, considering the natives only had basic stone and wooden tools. The Muromachi and Edo Periods Let's jump ahead in our journey of Japanese history to the Muromachi and Edo Periods. The Jomon period was known for its art and culture. However, our next time period was remembered for being the exact opposite. The Muromachi period was defined by warfare and fighting, and the Edo period represented rapid technological growth. The Muromachi period was named after the area of the city of Kyoto in which the first shogun, Takauji, set up his headquarters. A shogun is the name of a military leader of the people. That is why the Muromachi period was also known as the Ashikaga period, which means the time of military control. Despite this time being called the age of the country at war, the Japanese culture developed some beautiful arts and important religious teachings during these times. Zen Buddhism, flower arranging, and the Japanese tea ceremony were all developed during these eras. During the Edo period, the first European traders arrived, bringing with them their arts, food, and religions. Japan also began to establish strong connections with China and Korea, which still last to this day. The Samurai The Edo period also came to be known as the Age of the Samurai. A man named Takugawa Ieyasu emerged as the leader of Japan after the many years of fighting during the Muromachi period. He was appointed shogun and established his military headquarters in the modern-day city of Tokyo, 
or Edo. This military form of government lasted over 200 years and, like some of those that came before it, tried to keep Japan secluded from the rest of the world. However, even with a focus on military strength, Japanese art forms and cultures still flourished. The samurai are an example of one of Japan's more well-known military art forms. The samurai were the shogun's personal appointed military leaders. They were highly respected warriors that lived lives of luxury and had many privileges. The samurai received advanced education and training in reading, mathematics, and fighting. They were loyal to their appointed leaders and could be called to battle at any moment. Short times of peace during the Edo period allowed for some ingenious combinations of beautiful art and practical military applications. Traditional Minka Homes Japan is famous for its beautiful and functional homes called Minka. These homes are made in visually pleasing styles and have some very unique features. Minka homes are intended to be minimal and efficient, so don't be surprised if you can't find an extra chair or bed. The space inside the home is arranged in ways to improve the flow of energy in a person's body, and this idea of the energy flow is referred to as Zen. Traditional Japanese furniture tends to be very low to the ground and rests on a special type of flooring called a tatami, which is comfortable and strong. Low tables called chabudai are often used as family tables for eating and tea drinking. The tables are very basic in their form, and they are meant to keep with the home's minimalistic design. Nature also plays an important part in traditional Japanese homes. Often, the entire home is built to reflect and appreciate the nature around it. Minka homes are famous for their sliding doors called shoji. The doors can slide into different formations to allow one space to serve multiple purposes. Minimal and functional was the Minka way. Japanese Tea Ceremony Welcome to the Japanese Tea Ceremony. The tea ceremony isn't a quick stop for a drink, but rather an event that can last for hours. The Japanese tea ceremony has strict protocol and rules on how the tea process takes place. The rules can be so detailed that there are often even rules on what to do with your hands. The Japanese tea ceremony is one of the most famous art forms of the Japanese culture. It was refined and perfected over 500 years ago by a man named Sen no Rikyu. He helped form the rules and procedures that guide the tea ceremony. The rules help guide the ceremony and also it helps preserve Japanese tradition. For example, one rule is that you shouldn't dress extravagantly or smell of too much scent so that you don't distract from the tea. Another important factor is the location of the tea drinking. Original teachings advise to enjoy tea in a garden that provides a zen feeling or calm or dedicated room in the home for tea only. Did you ever imagine that drinking tea could be considered an art? The History of Sushi Chances are that you've heard of sushi as it's served all over the world. However, did you know that Japan has been perfecting the art of sushi making for over 800 years? Japan's earliest sushi was referred to as narezushi, which means sour tasting. Sushi was originally created as a way to preserve fish that were caught in rice paddies after floods. 
Unlike today's fresh sushi, the original makers fermented and stored their fish to be eaten at a later time. It was during the Edo period that people began to add vinegar and nori to their sushi. Nori is the Japanese term for seaweed, and it's my favorite part. It wasn't until 1824 that sushi was considered to be perfected by a man named Hanaya Yohei. He introduced high-quality fresh raw fish instead and called it Idomai Sushi, or Tokyo Bay Sushi. Sushi today comes in mainly two forms called Nigiri and Maki. Nigiri Sushi is made by rolling a small pack of rice and covering it with various types of seafoods. Maki sushi is created by combining ingredients inside a roll of nori and then slicing it up into individual pieces. Origami Let's take a moment to learn about another of Japan's famous art forms. However, this one isn't edible. It's called origami and it means folding paper. The purpose of origami is to take paper and fold it into different figures and shapes. This Japanese tradition of folding paper figures dates back over 1,000 years. One of the earliest figures were small butterflies called oko and meko, and they were used to decorate special occasions like births and weddings. Each origami figure has its own meaning and purpose. Many designs began to appear in Japan beginning in the 1800s, and one of the most famous of them is the crane. In Japanese culture, the crane is considered a mystical bird of happiness that represents long life and good fortune. Gifting of origami cranes is a long-standing tradition of Japanese culture. In fact, you can give yourself some good luck just by folding them. Japanese tradition states that you can have a wish come true, and all you have to do is fold 1,000 origami cranes. 1,000? We'll have to work on those later. Nishoki, the Japanese flag. Time for us to learn about the national flag of Japan. Its name is Nishoki, or Hinumaru, and it is made up of a crimson sun disk on a white background. It has been used as the national flag of Japan for hundreds of years. However, it was only recently that the sun disk flag was confirmed as the Japanese national flag. Japan is sometimes referred to as the land of the rising sun, and this is often in reference to its national flag. The Japanese citizens honored the representations of the flag and how it symbolized their country. The red disc at the center became known to symbolize the sun goddess, Amaterasu, while the white background is meant to represent the honesty and integrity of the Japanese citizens. The flag is also considered a good luck gift. Traditionally, soldiers would be given flags with writings of encouragement or prayers. They would be written around the white area of the flag for good luck, as long as the writing never touched the sun disk. So, next time you hear the phrase, Land of the Rising Sun, or see a Japanese flag with writing, you'll know what it means to the Japanese culture. Mount Fuji Let's head from one Japanese cultural landmark to another. Welcome to Mount Fuji. This mountain stands at over 3,700 meters tall and is the seventh highest island peak in the world. It's also one of Japan's three sacred mountains along with Mount Haku and Mount Tate. Mount Fuji is one of Japan's most iconic locations and has even earned a UNESCO World Heritage listing. It's been a location of pilgrimages and inspiration for paintings and poems. It was even once used as a remote secret samurai training base. 
Mount Fuji is no ordinary mountain. It's actually an active volcano. Technically speaking, it is three of them stacked on top of each other. The oldest one on the bottom is called the Komitaki Volcano, which has the Kofuji Volcano sitting on top of it. Mount Fuji is the most recent volcano and sits on top of the previous two. That's a lot of volcanoes. The crater of Mount Fuji is massive at a diameter of over 500 meters and a depth of over 250 meters. Fuji is still active, but it's been 300 years since last erupting in 1707. Despite Fuji being an active volcano, every year tens of thousands of adventurists take the risk of climbing the mountain. The climb itself doesn't take too long and can be completed in a day. However, the window to climb is very short due to the harsh weather conditions and only lasts from July till August. The Japanese culture respects the risks and power of the volcano. As an old Japanese passage says, someone wise will climb Mount Fuji once in their life. Only a fool would climb it twice. Sumo Welcome to the Japanese Sumo Hall. It's the home of Japan's national sport, Sumo. It is a form of wrestling and has been part of the Japanese culture for centuries. Sumo wrestlers are large athletes that compete in matches that often only last a few moments. In fact, sumo has no weight limit and some wrestlers grow very large. During a match, two wrestlers face each other in a sand ring called a doyo and attempt to push each other out. The winner is the first wrestler to push their opponent out of the ring or have them touch the floor with a part of their body other than their feet. It's truly amazing to see athletes of this caliber moving with such speed and precision. Sumo athletes live and train in specialized facilities or stables called Heia. One of the most famous sumo districts is located in Tokyo and is called Ryugoku. It houses over 40 stables alone. A sumo stable is professionally run and the athletes' routines are kept very regimented. A stable master guides every part of the wrestlers' lives, including when they spend their free time, eat, and sleep. The heya is also private and often closed to all visitors. Even if you are let in, you won't be allowed to do much more than sit quietly on the floor and observe. In addition, you'll also need to be fluent in Japanese and be familiar with every traditional sumo custom. These are serious facilities that are intended to produce elite athletes. Large amounts of money are spent to maintain and train wrestlers to peak condition. Don't worry if you don't have the chance to visit a Heia, as everyone is invited to watch professional matches. Let's review. We learned about the Jomon, Muromachi, and Edo periods. These were important time periods in which Japan's culture developed. Then we spent time with the samurai and learned about how they were a unique combination of art and war. Function, efficiency, and nature are the inspirations behind traditional Minka homes. Remember to follow all the rules of the tea ceremony, and don't forget to try all the types of delicious sushi. We learned about folding origami, and that making a thousand cranes will bring you good luck. Now we also know the meaning of the Japanese flag, and the tradition of writing notes on them. If you're feeling adventurous, make sure to stop by Mount Fuji for a climb up an active volcano. Finally, we found out that sumo wrestlers are elite athletes who train in special sumo stables. Until next time, welcome to Japan! Who knew that there would be so much to learn about Japan? I hope you enjoyed learning with me about how Japan became what it is today. 
I had such a great time learning with you, and you've made learning a lot of fun. Remember, this podcast is also available as an illustrated children's book on Amazon. Links can be found in the description below for my social media, YouTube channel, and other books. Finally, and most importantly, never forget that you're special, you're perfect, and you're loved. See you next time.